On this episode of the Fifth Estate Podcast, I will be digging into some more misinformation being put out there by the Victorian Department of Health, uh, giving a bit of an update on what is happening in the Northern Territory, asking what our actual jab rate is, and hopefully if there's enough time getting into uh, the bit more of a discussion about the voter ID laws. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. everyone, my name is Cameron Blewett and this is episode 10 of the 5th Estate Podcast for uh, Friday 26th of November 2021. Uh, now, I thought I'd start the show with a little bit of uh, gruesome information or hopefully something to uh, wake people's eyes up. Now, the stats for the past 24 hours have been released by the Department of Health and in the last 24 hours, 73,419 people had a COVID test in Victoria. Out of those 73,000 tests, 1,362 came back positive. Now, that gives you a percentage rate of 1.855% of tests return a positive result. Now, that brings our active case numbers up to 10,887, which represents 0.163% of the population. Uh, unfortunately, seven people passed away uh, in the last 24 hours with the uh, virus, which brings it to uh, the total cases of a fatality rate of 1.18%. Now, I'm not sure about you, though I'm pretty sure that that doesn't represent something that is a pandemic or that justifies draconian uh, state of emergency measures and whatever else the Andrews regime has cooked up for us. Uh, But anyway, what do I know? I'm just a person behind a microphone. I'm not a politician getting all the good goss and everything like that. Um, But so uh, hopefully we can uh, find out if Andrews ever releases that information. So Anyway, moving on, a bit of an update uh, with the what's happening in the Northern Territory. Now, there have been, since everything's gone out, there have been a number of uh, media reports talking about what's going on, statements from the Army, et cetera, et cetera, and I think Jacinta Price is a deputy mayor of Darwin or or something like that, uh, came out and said that none of that was happening. Um, people have turned around and said, and here's a quote from, who is it? The Worli Wurlinjang Health Service on behalf of traditional owners of Binjari and Rockhole says, quote, we are in lockdown because we're in the biggest fight of our lives. We're trying to keep safe. We need people, we don't need people creating another flood, end of quote. Now, um, you know, I mean, do we call this out as bullshit? Is what it is. Uh, do we believe them or or what? Uh, now, I don't know why they would be any different to any other um, arm of the government with the the deception that they're putting on us. Like, for example, you know, a, a fight of your life. Uh, you know, you've got if you go and get tested, you've got you know less than two percent chance of coming back with a positive test result, and if you do get it, you've got a one um, percent chance, you know, a ninety-eight 
98.9, let's call it what it is, a 98.9% survival rate. Uh, so, you know, is that a fight for your life, a fight of the lives or anything like that? Um, you know, yeah. uh, as I've said before, I think history will be the only one that tells us um, what really happened, um, you know, but either way I think we should be concerned uh, because this just seems to be that the uh, regime's are ratcheting up their response. I mean, there was a whole um, backpacker hostel uh, locked down. Everyone was jabbed there, but, hey, there was a positive case, so everyone was locked down. Uh, and, and this is, you know, a hard lockdown, so the, the, the doors were shut and the police guard on the place. So, you know, I, I think that regardless of what comes out from either, you know, the, those, uh, the, the government message or those who are opposing it, I think we do need to... Uh, give serious consideration to the the legitimacy of the message and and not fly off half cocked. Uh, but though that being said, I also think that uh, if it is coming from a government um, you know a government source, that we uh, treat that message with a little bit more contempt and um, you know ratchet the bullshit filter up a bit more and and see if if it passes muster. Uh, so. Anyway, um, moving along. Speaking of the bullshit filter, uh, so there's been a you know quite a few uh, as played in the last episode uh, of uh, things that have come out from the Department of Health justifying why people should be getting jabbed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, now they're using Associate Professor Dr. Margie Danchin, uh as the talking head or the the voice on the chair. A person on the chair for these. Uh, now, you know, I, I I don't know why they're doing this. Uh, I mean, obviously I do know why because it's about getting people into this, getting people jabbed. Uh, I just, you know, I, there's, there's two that I want to play and I want to talk about them and um, I'll, actually I'll, I'll play them first and then we'll have a bit of a discussion about it and see if uh, your mileage is the same as mine. So here's the first one. Is my baby protected from COVID if I got vaccinated while I was pregnant? So that's a really excellent question. And this is called maternal vaccination. And the brilliant thing about giving a vaccine in pregnancy is it gives two for one protection. It protects the mum as well as the baby. With the COVID-19 vaccines, we know that they're really safe and effective in pregnancy and that mums uh, don't get more side effects the other really important thing is that the antibodies that the mother develops when she has the vaccine in pregnancy can cross uh, the placenta and go uh, past to the baby to protect the baby in the first six months of life. So, as I said, it's really fantastic because you can get two-for-one protection. Now, I, I really want to let the, the choice words out. Um, I think because of my bit of swearing at the start, I'm probably going to have to give this a bit of an explicit rating um, for that. Though that being said, uh, first of all, why would you want to get jabbed when the fatality rate under 70 is negligible and the younger that you are, the less chance of something bad happening? And and really, if you're pregnant, why are you getting any sort of jabs in, to, to begin with? Now, uh, let's so that's the first thing. The next thing, why do they keep pretending or, or lying to us and telling us that these series of therapeutics protect us when they don't? 
there's no evidence that this is a um, neutralizing series of therapeutics. So it neutralizes the the virus. So someone who has, um, so, you know, participated in in the round of three, um, you know, who knows? It could be four later on or whatever it is. There's no protection. You're still going to get the virus. So why are they lying to us and saying it protects you? Uh, so as I said before, it's not a vaccine. It's a series of therapeutics that you have to participate in. And the most important thing, they are not safe. These jabs kill people, okay? Drinking water, a cup of water is safe for most people. Sitting in a bathtub is safe for most people, though it can still kill you if you, whatever, you know, if something happens in the bathtub, bump your head, drinking, whatever else. Uh, so, you know, there's a thing. What is safety? Uh, you know, walking down the street could be safe for one person. Uh, sending a five-year-old walking down the street is not necessarily safe because they're not aware of traffic, etc., etc. So what is this whole safe thing? Uh, so, you know, I, they're, what is it? are they gaslighting us? They, you know, they, they're bullshitting to us and... This is what we need to start calling them out on and turning around and just saying, you know, no, that is wrong and, you know, don't don't continue. Don't propagate the lie. Don't continue um, for that. But anyway, I'm going to have a bit of a breather and I'll calm down and this is the second one that is going to get me fired up. Do COVID-19 vaccines cause infertility? This is a really common question and is something that obviously a lot of people are quite concerned about. But the answer is no. The COVID-19 vaccines have not been shown to have any impact on fertility for men in terms of their sperm count or for women in terms of the chance of them falling pregnant. So I think we really need to reassure people that at the moment there is no evidence that these vaccines cause infertility. Now, with that one, the only thing that she said there that was right was that there is no evidence. Everything else was a lie uh, because she can't say no because they don't know. This series of therapeutics have only been on the market for 12 months or is it 12 months? I think it's about 12 or 18 months. That's not enough time to build a sufficient safety um, picture of it or anything like that or, you know, and... Yeah, so, uh, you know, things going around, um, anecdotal information tends to indicate that it does do something, uh, whether it is fertility or whether it's uh, other parts of your body, who knows. Uh, Unfortunately, with 90% of the population being jabbed, uh, you know, how are we going to know? Because they've got rid of the control group. This is what, and this is the thing is that it's, it's something that's been said ages ago. And I, I think I might have mentioned it on Facebook or I think in one of my earlier podcasts, I can't remember to tell you the truth. Uh, that with the what they're obsessing about getting such a high number of people participating in this uh, therapeutic regimen is that it removes the control group. And the control group is those that aren't exposed to it. So once the control group's gone, anything else that comes out, they can't attribute to that jab so for example uh we get rid of the control group let's say in five years time 
that, uh, you know, sperm count fertility rates are dropping. We know that. Um, that's more to do with our lifestyle. So let's say it has a bit of a sharper decline than what it, it is at the moment because there's no control group to say, hey, it hasn't dropped in this group of people. They can turn around and say, oh, no, it's not related to the series of jabs that you had, you know, five years ago or you're probably still going on with. Uh, it's, you know, it's related to something else. Let's blame climate change. Let's blame this. Let's blame something else. And this is what it does because there's no one there that you can turn around and you can look at and say, hey, hang on, things haven't dropped in those people. Why has it in this people? And you can't do that. So, and this is what the, the big push to get maximum numbers of people jabbed for so they can remove the control groups. Um, so, you know, yeah, so it's it's the thing, you know, I uh, as much as I, I don't want to, to say, you know, well, let's, okay, there's people talking about Nuremberg um, part, you know, Nuremberg number two and all that sort of stuff. I generally don't think that there's going to be anything like that. I think this, because it's been on a worldwide scale, it is going to be something that's going to be covered up, uh, it's going to be hidden, you're never going to find out about it. Um, so, you know, there's not chan- no chance of, you know, big trials where all these people are put on trial and found guilty and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I do hope there comes a reckoning where these people who are pushing this deliberate misinformation or outright lies are held to account for what they've done. Um, so uh, n- not really much of a segue, but uh, this is the other thing that I want to talk about is what is our actual jab rate? Now, uh, yesterday on Twitter, Josh Frydenberg put out a nice little Twitter post saying that 90, congrats to Victoria because 90, 90% of 16 pluses are, you know, vaccinated. And then Department of Health, uh, their stats say 90 plus or 90% of the 12 plus rate are vaccinated. Now, which one's which? I understand that they could both be right, though they're both misleading. Because yes, if we have 90% of 12 year olds, uh, 12 plus vaccinated, uh, jabbed, then we do have uh, 90% of 16, so, though the 90% of 16 plus would have happened a while ago rather than now, unless there's just a holdout. And, it, it, yeah, it still wouldn't matter, um, you know, unless there was a holdout of 12-year-olds that got jabbed over the thing, it still wouldn't matter. So, And then going back on to that, the age today said, uh, as of yesterday being Thursday, that 93.6% of 12-plus in the 12-plus age group have had one jab, okay? Out of that age group, 85, um, out of the 12 to 15 age group, 85.7% have had their first jab, 77.1% are fully jabbed um, for that. So, you know, what? what is our figures? What is our, our actual jab rate? And, you know... I, I really don't know. It's, it's just going to be one of those things is that you can't trust anything that the government tells you. Now, speaking about anything that the government tells that we can't trust anything that the government tells us about, there's uh, something that I want to talk about is voter ID laws. Uh, this seems to be getting uh, people upset all over the place because, uh, you know, they're coming around saying, oh, it's this, it's racist, it's this, it's voter suppression, et cetera, et cetera. Now, uh, if anyone follows me on Twitter, you'll see that uh, I do have a 
bit of a crack back at all the politicians uh, on the la- Labor side and Green side of the fence who uh, pushed that false narrative uh, and gaslight us about that. So, you know, and this is the thing is that they get upset about someone having to show a piece of ID, any ID, and I'll get into what the bill actually says for ID later on that I, I just want to talk about this. So showing ID to vote is racist voter suppression. Showing ID to go to the pub isn't. Showing ID to go and get a coffee isn't racist. And case in point, um, the uh, Premier, uh, Premier, Prime Minister-in-waiting or um, the hopefully the, the leader who's going to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory, uh, Al- Anthony Albanese on a tweet uh, from the 21st of November said, just caught up for coffee with a friend at Warren and Holt in Marrickville, checked in, showed vax proof, comply with New South Wales health rules. No problem. PM seems unaware that New South Wales and Queensland government have same procedures. So this is the thing. So he would have shown his uh, something on, on the phone or, or whatever, whether it's a piece of paper to say that he's fully jabbed and then maybe shown something else or who knows what he's done, but he's shown some sort of ID. So he's happy to show ID to get a coffee with a friend in Marrickville and yet he doesn't want people showing ID to vote. So, you know, is this the thing? Are they, um, let's say... Uh, going to increase the um, voting, what do they call it overseas, um, fortification of votes uh, or, or they or the electoral commissions that um, incompetent that uh, voter fraud is a bigger problem than what they're saying it is and that the Labor Party knows that and that's why they don't want these voter ID laws in. So uh, having a look at the bill itself that's currently before Parliament, Uh, It says, uh, definition of proof of identity document. A proof of identity document is any of the following, including any of the following in electronic form. A current driver's licence issued under the law of a state or territory or a law in force in Norfolk Island. So you've got driver's licence, beauty. And a current Australian passport, you've got that, beauty. Uh, Current proof of age... Uh, a proof of age card I issued by or on behalf of a state or territory or an authority of a state or territory, a birth certificate issued on behalf by or on behalf of a state or territory or an authority, a notice evidencing a person's citizenship that is current under Section 37 of the Australian uh, Citizenship Act, a current identification card, however described, issued by or on behalf of the Commonwealth or state or territory, or the authority of a Commonwealth or state or territory. An account, no, an account statement or notice, however described, issued by a local government body, utilities provider or carriage service provider in the last 12 months. Either a current credit card or debit card issued by an Australian financial institution or an account statement issued by an Australian financial institution in the last 12 months. Notice of assessment, including amended assessment, issued in the last 12 months under the income tax assessment. Notice, uh, notice issued by the electoral commissioner under this act identify, notifying a person of the person's enrolment. A document that relates to the affairs of a particular person that specifies the person's name and that is issued 
in the ordinary course of business by an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander Land Council or Land Trust, however described, established by or under the law of the Commonwealth or State or Territory, or a body corporate that is prescribed by or is of a kind prescribed by regulations made for the purposes of Section 59 of the Native Title Act. Now, I, there, I don't know anyone who wouldn't have one of them. So to turn around and say that this is voter suppression, this is uh, racist because it's going to disadvantage Indigenous or multicultural groups or whatever, you know, it's, it is gaslighting. It is utter bullshit. And for the, the corrupt corporate press to continue that narrative rather than calling it out as what it is, is, is equally criminal, um, offensive and, you know, and this is the thing. We need to start showing or taking away the respect that we have for these organisations. You know, there should be no respect for, for lying politicians like this or uh, deliberately misleading. So, uh, so with that, I mean, I know myself, hey, you know what, I'm a privileged white person. So, wow, I have a debit card. I have a uh, obviously I have a driver's license. Obviously I have a passport. I also have a current identif- identification card issued by an authority of the state or, com- or territory, being uh, my high risk uh, high risk work permit. Uh, I have uh, what else do I have? I've got a phone bill. I've got a gas bill. Uh, I'm going. You know, you've got most people will have their electoral. Uh, notice to say that they're enrolled in what electorate and what street address. Uh, so, you know, this is the thing. So it, it's, you know, you, um, or, yeah, I really don't know. You know, they are, they're, they're bullshitting to us. They're lying to us. They're creating further division when division is not needed, all for the purposes of what, distracting us from what else is going on. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's, something that we, we really need to stop paying attention to these people um, because they are, you know, let, you know, let's just call it what it is. They are disgusting, vile human beings uh, to openly turn around and say on one hand, hey, this is what I've done and virtue signal by, you know, showing your papers to get a coffee and then in the same breath turning around and saying, oh, no, we can't have uh, voter integrity laws because they're racist and it's voter suppression. Like, really, how how stupid do you think we are? Um, you know, and this is something that is just going to, to get worse unless we all start standing up and, as George Christensen said yesterday, engage a mass actions of civil disobedience. Now, I'm not telling anyone to do it. Um, your civil disobedience could be just not complying. Uh, this, your civil disobedience could be finding a way to legally not comply with directions. And there are a number of ways to do that. And I um, do believe that I've mentioned about that in the past and I'm sure I'm, I'm going to uh, dig a bit more into that and hopefully have um, a few learned people that will be able to give me some more information you know, on that, a bit more of a discussion but, you know, this is civil disobedience, you know, do not comply. Um, you know, find a way to legally not comply with their directions. 
um, and and everything like that. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and do it because you're the one that knows uh, your own situation better than what I do. Um, so that being said, I'm and you know I'm also gonna not going to tell anyone to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Um, I also, as I've said before in, in previous episodes, I don't agree with the whole protesting thing um, because we have a corrupt corporate press out here who are not going to uh, be truthful with what is going on and their complicit their part in the whole uh, cover up and and load of bullshit that's going on. Now, uh, actually, something else that I did want to get to. Uh, now, I, I've got time left. I think I do have enough time to talk about this. Okay. Uh, this It's something that is going around. Um, you know, everyone's pushing the whole white supremacist, far right, you know, everything like that about anti-vax and, and all that sort of stuff. So here's something that um, uh, a devout, appears to be a devout socialist, has posted up on um, Facebook. Now, I'm, I'm going to read um, what what they've said uh, and then add my thoughts and comments about that later on. So uh, this is a start. So white supremacist and far-right ideology underpins the anti-vax movements. White, white supremacist and right-wing groups are capitalising on vaccine hesitancy to distribute conservative ideologies to new audiences via protests and social media. Among these are complex narratives about resisting a new world order which supposedly threatens a bygone Australian way of life. Many of the many involved in these movements probably do not realise they are aligning with people whose values and ideas are steeped in white supremacy. Many groups have united under the banner of COVID denial and vaccine resistance. A common narrative shared on social media is that COVID lockdown measures and vaccinations are part of a plan to implement a global totalitarian regime. In September this year, a comment by New South Wales Chief Health Officer Kerry Chant went viral among COVID deniers and conspiracy theorists, including those involved in QAnon. Chant responded to a question about how contract tracing would work after lockdown by saying, we will be looking at what contract tracing looks like in the new world order. Conspiracists in anti-vax circles have been using the term New World Order to refer to the theory that a secret group of powerful elites are planning global domination. Despite chance intentions, mentions of the term provoked a frenzy on social media and caused Google searches to skyrocket. New World Order theory has racist and anti-Semitic inferences. It comes from speculative and philosophical literature from Europeans and white settlers in the United States who have prompted paranoid myths about Jewish people's involvement in the banking system. It has ties to fascism, racism and white libertarianism and satanic panic and satanic panic since the Second World War. It also has ties to Nazi occultism. Essentially, resisting the new world order is less about addressing existing systems. Ex- I'll start that one again. Essentially, resisting the new world order is less about addressing existing systems of power, including capitalism and colonialism, that oppress and marginalise groups of people all over the world. It is more about a battle between a perceived good and evil. These ideas also have a long history in Christian literature, including the New Testament. White Christian extremists, including the Ku Klux Klan, refer to themselves as knights engaged in a holy war to defend their liberties from racial and religious others whom they have historically oppressed. Anti-vax movements 
have, have proven especially appealing to white women and groups of men who feel disadvantaged by rapid changes in Western society, which have destabilised their economic and social standing. Many anti-vaxxers believe they are resisting evil global forces who want to corrupt them and their children by means of tracking devices, microchips and other insidious technology allegedly hidden in COVID-19 vaccines. Protesters carry signs inferring their sperm is untainted by the vaccine and unvaccinated users on TikTok refer to themselves as purebloods. These sentiments echo white race anxieties popularised during the Aboriginal protectionist and white Australia policy era, which continue to influence Australian immigration policy and Indigenous affairs to this day. Conservative family values are apparent in anti-vax movements. For example, protesters in Sydney on Saturday recycled You Can Say No posters originally used against the ballot for marriage equality in Australia in 2017. Far-right politicians and organisations have capitalised on rapid change and experiences of economic crisis during the COVID-19 pandemic to promote ideologies about protecting traditional family values and Western culture. Political proponents of the anti-vax movement, such as Clive Palmer and Craig Kelly, are also anti-immigration and climate deniers. The, part, the current party line for the United Nation, United Australia Party is Make Australia Great, mimicking Trump's former campaign. Kelly and Palmer are capitalising on anti-vax sentiments to gain visibility at protests and on social media. Mainstream right-wing politicians have also participated in rallies, including former Chief of Staff to Tony Abbott as Prime Minister Peter Credlin. Known members of pro-fascist, white supremacist and neo-Nazi organisations, including... Proud Boys and Lad Society have been present at anti-vax rallies. These organisations have also been involved in organising and security for speakers. Researchers have shown, uh, correction, researchers have observed members of white supremacist and far-right groups recruiting and grooming vaccine-hesitant people via Facebook and encrypted messaging groups like Telegram. It remains to be seen how the growing influence of the far right will affect upcoming elections and our futures. We need to think carefully about the ideas and movements we are invested in now and who they are actually benefiting. Uh, words by Maddie Dow and Bronwyn Carlson. Link in the comments. Now, this um, that was a whole lot of bullshit posted by a um, in response to a thing in the... What would you say? I don't even know how to describe it. The conversation, um, that online publication, which tends to be very, very left-leaning because it's all about universities uh, and everything like that. Now, Matty Day and Bronwyn Carlson um, did a uh, dropped an article on the 22nd of November titled "White Supremacist and Far Right Ideology Underpins Anti-Vax Movements." Um, so. Yeah, it's there's so much bullshit in that that it just, um, you know, how, where do you start? How, where do you start with that? Um, so you know, it, it's the thing. Actually, while I'm I'm talking about that, there's uh, well something by uh, Pete Bogashan um, who posted on Twitter about um, what the far right is, and I'll I'll just play that and we'll continue the discussion afterwards. Alt-right or far-right. When the woke say alt-right or far-right, what they mean is anyone who is not on the far left. Harvard psychologist Steven Pinker's phrase, the left pole, can help make this clear. When one is on the North Pole, every direction leads south. When one is on the far left, every idea 
that is not from the far left appears to be on the far right. On the left pole, all directions lead to the right. This is why many woke people believe Barack Obama, President Biden, and Vice President Harris are on the right. The woke believe these politicians are on the right because the woke are so far to the left that everyone, including Obama, Biden, and Harris, who does not share their beliefs, is on the right. Saying someone is alt-right is also an excuse to not engage their ideas. By claiming everyone else's political beliefs are on the right, there's no need for the woke to engage or defend different ideas, policies, or political positions. Merely claiming someone is on the right is all the woke need to avoid engaging with disagreement. Deeming something alt-right creates a kind of safe space from ideas. And this is what we're seeing today. Um, you know, Supreme Leader Andrews has um, refused to engage in anything that these people are talking about because, oh, no, there's a neo-Nazi out there. They're extreme right things. Uh, you know, and um, Matthew Guy has even capitulated to that uh, false narrative by turning around and telling um, all members of the, of the Liberal National Party not to go out and engage with people uh, who are protesting on the steps of Parliament. Uh, so, you know, and this is the thing, with you know, people have, have uh, you know, subscribed to this false dichotomy and I'll admit, you know, I did that in the past as well um, of left and right when um, there is no left and right. There is good, there is only like literally good and evil um, and uh, I think that we know who the ruling class are. Uh, so this, so going back to, to, to that, so... All these people, instead of talking about whether these vaccine mandates are a good thing or not, whether the totalitarian uh, responses um, under the, the guise of public health are good or not, whether we should have that or even having a dialogue about our response to um, this killer virus that isn't, they just dismiss everything. Oh, no, they're far right. No, they're far right. Oh, no, they're a conspiracy theorist. Like, really? And mind you, this is coming from the what we call the left, who are the ones promoting intersectionality, um, consistent anti-oppression and all those other sort of bullshit terms. And, um, you know, so going back to, to what was written, um, now uh, I've, I've dabbled in uh, what is known as conspiracy theories for quite a few years, mainly because it interested me. Um, and it's good to see what's going on. Um, now, New World Order has been uh, changed. I don't think the New World Order is uh, used by anyone anymore. What is the new term is the Great Reset, and that is something that is heavily promoted by the World Economic Forum. They've got their own webpage for it. Klaus Schwab has written a book about it, and he still keeps pushing the Great Reset, that COVID-19 and the worldwide uh, global pandemic and the shutdown of societies is the ideal time to bring the global uh, to bring the great reset in, and that is um, about removing individual property rights, um, corporatism of everything, uh, as we've seen with the lockdown measures that the Andrews regime has implemented. That that is furthering corporatism. Uh, it is furthering the private public partnerships where government gets in bed with private enterprise to create something, and then private enterprise becomes the uh, de facto arm of the government by enforcing things that uh, the government wouldn't be able to enforce themselves due to whatever laws or constitution are going on. Uh, we've seen that. We've seen Andrews 
absolutely decimate small business uh, in Victoria by closing them and yet turning around and saying that, uh, you know what, Big W and Woolworths can stay open, these stores can go you know, and, and everything like that. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it is. It is the, the, the great resets coming. Uh, they want to move us to a digital currency. We're seeing that now where people are getting conditioned to uh, to not paying cash for things because, hey, cash is dirty. Like, you know what? It's always been dirty um, and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so, you know, conditioning people to uh, scan into places, which is the implementation or the start of the social credit store um, system that is going on in, I think, China has it and I think they're rolling it out to somewhere else. So, you know, everyone scans into Woolworths. They say, you know, that might give you good things because you're doing that. When you go and um, scan your, vet, you know, your shopping, and you pay by scanning uh, another QR code to pay by um, scan an eQR code. That's it. It's um, an FPOS QR code, and you pay by that, or you pay by tapping, and your digital dollars come out. Then they have a picture of what you buy, uh, what you, you know, everything like that. Then that could impact your ESG score, which is your environmental, social, or things governance score. Um, the Australian Stock Exchange is uh, figuring or rating businesses on that. Uh, most businesses listed on the uh, Australian Stock Exchange will talk about ESG in some form in their annual reports uh, and give a list of what their ESG score is uh, and things like that. There was, um, what was it, a couple of months ago, uh, Toll, I think it was Toll IPEC, uh, turned around and said that they're not going to... Uh, deliver firearms or ammunition or anything like that anymore so that is only to improve their esg score uh so who know you know what's going to happen how you know what how, how are all these things going to go on in the future um so yeah it, it's just one of those things that you know we, we need to turn around and say no now and this isn't a conspiracy theory this is all out in the open and the the ruling class is just hoping that we're too stupid or distracted to to pay attention to it and um you know big posts like the one that i just read out uh, are just pushing it and you know like really what is wrong with the um what is, where is it the, the the family family values what is wrong with that what is wrong? I mean, I, I actually think that, um, you know, this push to get rid of um, the nuclear family is part of the whole um, degradation of society. I think that we should go back to the extended family, how it was, you know, years ago, because that's what we need. We need a multi-generational family to look after each other, um, you know, the older generation, um looks after the younger generation, the middle generation does this. Um, we do need to go back to multi-generational families. And, you know, th this is the thing is, I mean, we have a look. I mean, what's happened with all these nursing homes? That's because people get shipped off. They get sent somewhere else to do that, um, you know, to, to go and live out their life. Um, they're essentially shipped off somewhere else to die. Um, you have a look at that. You have a look at, you know, childcare. We both have, you know, the traditional family or whatever it is has to, both people have to work to pay for childcare to to allow them to work to pay for bills and whatever else they want to do. Uh, so you know what's wrong with having um, you know your grandparent you know your parents there or if you're lucky enough your grandparents as well. So then they can look after the children. So they're still raised in the family unit, 
And it says, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. It doesn't take strangers. It takes a village and that is your family because, you know, your family, in a village, everyone knows each other, not in this um, whatever societies that we're living in now where you don't, you know, you have more, you think you're more, you're closer to some talking head or face online than you are to the person next door. And, uh, you know, anyway, um, stopping before I start on that one because I think the whole thing is just a, a, a big crock. Um, it's done to destroy society, to get us more fighting about little things than we should be um, and to help um, push push their narratives and, and what they're doing. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll have more to say on that. Uh in the process of reading through the uh, terrorism bill and the uh, sharing of information, um, health legislation bills at the moment, so it'll take a couple of days to go through all that uh, and um, share some of my thoughts now. Something that I did pick up that was concerning out of the terrorism bill was changes to the Juries Act where people can be excluded for participating in jury service on a number of reasons, including health and safety. Uh, so you know what? The unjabbed or those who won't show their papers are look like being excluded from participating in jury service. Uh, not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, uh, but you know it's just a further way of uh, creating a two-tier society where the uh, the unjabbed are unclean and unable to participate in society. And if anyone can't see parallels to what happened. 80 years ago overseas, then I think that you need to, to sit down and, and, I don't know, turn off everything electronic and get out in the real world because something's going on. Uh, so, yeah. But anyway, that's about it for this one. Um, yes, what am I doing now? Uh, so, yeah, have a look at the fifth estate, uh, the fifth dot estate, subscribe, um, leave thumbs up, thumbs down, whatever you do with this on whatever podcasting service you have. Um, please do add some comments so I can get an idea of, of what your thoughts are. Now, I do have some guests coming up, uh, reaching out to a couple and I'll see what's happening. So that might be next week or the week after. We'll just have to wait and see how things go with that. Uh, other, if not, uh, you'll hear me back again for the next episode. I'm hoping to get another one out tomorrow, uh, but we'll wait and see what happens today. Uh, so anyway, this was the Fifth Estate podcast. Uh, My name is Cameron Blewett. Thanks for listening and look forward to having you on the next one. Bye for now.